Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders. There's short story, there's novel, and there's the epic level, and you can try out any level for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, meaning you, of course, insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge, task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair up hosts from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. You can sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. That's insiders.bookriot.com. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we love to talk about all things romance. Romance novels, romance landia, romance news, whatever. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, and it's episode 87. We're getting closer. 87. We're, oh my gosh, we could, we're like practically there. We're <laughs> practically, we're just 13 episodes slash 26 weeks slash half a year away <laughs> from number 100. I mean, it's it's basically next month. Right there. It's right there. Mm-hmm. You know what? I will feel. I feel like we can. I can wait if if all of our episodes are sort of as not dark as I think the one that we have today. This one's kind of fun. Just we get to talk about like fun things that we're excited about. It's our when in romance book club episode to talk about wrong number right woman, which I think now that we've both read the book, we will probably get correct. Hopefully, uh, from here on out. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, and we were gonna like visit some of our other survey results so yeah i think this one's gonna be fun yeah i think so would you like to i think the only thing we haven't covered on the survey for all of our listeners romance you know cohort is some of the best books um that people selected of their 2021 so far do you want to talk a little bit about what we saw absolutely so we we basically asked what was your what was your favorite or, or what was the best and i gotta tell you a lot of you agreed with me that Acura Age Eve Brown was mm-hmm. one of your favorites of the first half of the year. A lot of you. A lot. But there were there were so many others. Like I my my TBR exploded. Some of them were already on it, kinda hanging out, and some of them were like, What? What is this book? But of the high, high numbers of responses, we got a lot of, like I said, Actor H. E. Brown, People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, Neon Gods by Katie Robert, The Queer Principles of Kit Webb by Kat Sebastian. We saw people talking about Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins and Rosalie Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. We saw, a, like I said, a lot of one-offs, maybe one or two. A couple people mentioned Float Plan, which had 
hardly been on my radar. Um, and a lot of you haven't been reading uh, frontless books or haven't really been able to read much at all this year, as we talked about. So thank you all for responding and uh, for reading with us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we also, there were, we've gotten, now I think there were a few duplicates in the list that I was looking at the other day, but I think we're we're well over 200 responses, and we will be writing those up and, and continuing to think a little bit about all of your responses and replies and what folks said. I will say, quick shout out to Sonia, who let us know that she um, flagged Linda Gillard, my apologies to Linda if I'm pronouncing her name wrong as a favorite author, and then realized that because Sonia lives in Europe, previously Switzerland, now France, she thought we may not have heard of Linda. Uh, and so, you know, she mentioned stargazing as a favorite. And like I said, because she was kind enough to send us that email, thought I'd flag it. And then Casey also wrote us a really thoughtful note. Uh, they had also responded to the survey. But one of the things that they talked about was the shift from reading fan fiction to reading what they called pro-fiction, which is a term that I actually was not familiar with. So thank you to Casey for, for you are more of a fan fiction person than I am, mm -hmm. uh, Jess. So you may have heard that, but they just kind of talked a lot about the ways that their reading habits had changed and was less nonfiction and actually maybe a little bit less fan fiction, starting to access library more. So, so some of the things that we've seen in other responses, but some that were a little bit different. So I thought that was cool. Yes. Thank you both for reaching out. And um, just as a reminder, you can always reach out to us anytime with your thoughts about romance. You don't have to wait to wait for us to send you a survey. <laughs> that is decidedly true. We are always available at whenandromance at bookriot.com. Also, as we always tell you, if you rate and review the podcast, it does help folks find it. So please, if you have a minute, feel free to do that. And now I'm very excited to talk about Wrong Number Right Woman, Jess, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk about something else that excites us first. Okay, yes, we're excited to thank TBR for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Hooray! <laughs> TBR is Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want new romance books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. Sign up only takes a few minutes. You can answer a couple questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for. You can link up your Goodreads profile if you have one, and then you're done. Subscribers are matched to bibliologists based on your requests. Love thrillers and want to read more romance? Looking for poetry by writers of color and maybe also some space opera? We've got someone who knows just what to choose for you. So check it out. Visit mytbr.co to sign up. It's mytbr.co. All right. Jess, the day has finally come. It's here. It is. Yeah, this is... Uh... I just realized we're in July, so we're going to have to fit in our other two book club books. You know, whatever. We have five months. We're fine. We're good. Yeah. But I'm so excited to talk about this book today. We selected Wrong Number, Right Woman, by way of of quick summary. It is called that because one of the main characters, Eliza, accidentally texts Denny, who turns out to be the other main character, when she's trying to text, Eliza's trying to text Denny's number neighbor. 
Uh, so if you don't know the term, number neighbor is someone who has the exact same phone number as you except with one digit different. So for example, if the last four digits of your phone number are one, two, three, four, your number neighbor's last four digits would be, all the digits would be the same, except it would be one, two, three, five, or one, two, three, eight. I think that still works. Well, maybe it has to be, it doesn't matter. Oh, you know no. what? This is not a podcast about number neighbors. <laughs> you can Google it. You can learn more about that. That's not really what the book is about. The premise is that Eliza, who has previously only dated men, texts Denny. They hit it off. They hit it off for a long time. We're going to get into this. But for a long time, they are texting as friends. They have not met for a pretty significant chunk of time. They don't even know each other's names and just like are going by cute nicknames. But eventually they do meet. Eliza finds that she might be feeling something more strongly for Denny than she has ever felt for a woman. Denny already knows that she has kind of crushed on Eliza. And, you know, we're off to the races. It's not a super plot-heavy book, no. which you know, Jess, that I tend towards a more plot-y kind of a book. Mm -hmm. But I really liked this one. Oh, good. I did too. It really, like, goes down easy. Like, I was kind of worried because if others who were are reading or have read it noticed from the actual paperback book. It's a hefty book. So I was like, yeah. how am I going to finish this book in time? But once I started, it was kind of like, you just keep turning the pages because you're not doing some of those things that you might with a plot heavy book with the there's a lot of information that you have to take in to like, make sure you know what's going on and world building and embarrassing moments where you have to put the book down and walk away and come back. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's an easy read for the fact that it was 400 pages almost. Yeah, this is because it is, I agree with you, it moved much more quickly, particularly the first half to two thirds moved much more quickly for me than I would have guessed that it would. Because like you said, this is not a short book. So for the fact that it is almost entirely about these two women and kind of processing their relationship and the development of it, mm -hmm. it moves quite quickly. I think for me, a part of the reason for why was the, the banter. Mm -hmm. I think Jay writes really good, witty banter. And so like reading them text, like just texting each other, for, I don't know, 25 to 30 to 40% of the book <laughs> actually really worked for me. Yeah. And, and uh, it's like snappy dialogue and also like conversations among not just the two characters, but their family and friends really helped move things along really easily and quickly. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think it was Emily, who is on Instagram under A Life Lived in Books, who when she was Instagramming about this for the One in Romance Book Club was talking about how it's a slow burn and that's not generally Emily's thing. And I think what's interesting to me about this book, and it's going to it's gonna sound like a, obviously, Trisha, of course, what are you talking about? But stick with me. I feel like the pace of the book moved at the pace of the relationship, mm -hmm. which sometimes happens, but not always. But here it felt very intentional. Like, as you mentioned, there was a lot of discussion with friends and family members. There was a lot of processing mm -hmm. on the page externally that I think in a book that, like you said, where they have to be figuring out like, oh, no, where is the secret weapon hidden? <laughs> or is the world going to come to an end? Or what if this person's brother figures out I'm dating his best friend? Or like, whatever, all that yeah. stuff happens. Like, I, I felt like 
this really was just not just focused on the characters, but focused on their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think partly the fact that maybe Eliza had previously only dated men and didn't realize that she could be attracted to women is part of why that processing for me didn't feel like it was too much. Because it was both relationship development, but for for both of them in different ways, also kind of personal development and figuring Mm -hmm. some stuff out as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to say about that. And like I've talked about before that sort of like character growth is a big thing for me. And yeah, I'll read something that doesn't doesn't quite fulfill that for me if it's fun, but I won't get the same thing out of it that I do from a book that not only has a really great relationship between the two people, but has both of them individually, like, really sort of figuring themselves out. And even though, like, Eliza and Denny are both, like, very strong characters from the start, they still have to work through a lot of stuff. And just, like, seeing them, like you said, process outwardly and just be people on the page is really something. Yeah, and speaking of characters, I I put this in our notes. I we we talk about the term cinnamon roll just like a very soft, sweet, gooey main character a lot when it comes to I feel like I feel like it's it, it's the outsized repre- representation of men. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we talk about which male main characters, but Denny is a complete cinnamon roll. And it you don't necessarily get it at first, I think, because she's very, very shy and introverted. Mm-hmm. But like, there's one point where she finds out that Eliza, despite being in Portland and, and you know, being born and raised in Portland, does not like beer. <laughs> and so then Denny doesn't order beer because she's thinking about, she's thinking ahead to when they're going to be like, maybe make it out a little bit later. And she's like, oh, I don't want that to be a turnoff. Like, it's just a very sweet kind of like, oh, she's just really sweet and thoughtful and vulnerable in a lot of ways. I don't know. I I liked these characters and I liked them for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. She is a total cinnamon roll. Like things that she does with her jacket at certain points. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. like an absolute sweetheart. And uh, like I was, I think I saw somewhere because, you know, every, every, well, maybe not everybody, but you know, I like to go through and read other people's thoughts about it. But I remember someone mentioning somewhere, maybe on Goodreads, that a lot of butch characters in sapphic romance are not presented that way. They're sort of like, because they're butch, they're also kind of like macho or whatever the like mm-hmm. more feminized version of macho might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, Denny is nothing, is not that, is nowhere near that. Yeah. And, you know, like, she's just very much her own person. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked, and I really liked that, and this is, gosh, this is such a low bar, but I think for so much fiction, not necessarily romance fiction, but for so much fiction, Mm -hmm. Eliza's character would have had to grapple with, like, internalized homophobia Mm -hmm. and try to figure out, like, oh, no, is it terrible? And she really does. I mean, she does have to think a little bit differently about herself and what she wants and what her, you know, attraction might mean, what her sexuality, you know, might look like. But none of it is in any way negative. She's very, very open to it. Right. And the people in her life are very, very open to it. And it's it's almost, it's, I'm not going to say it's not a big deal because it's part of her character development, but it is in the same way that Denny figuring out whether she's happy in her current job or like trying to navigate her relationship with her sister, like all of those things are, I don't know, just part of the development. Yeah. And like, 
I do really like books that like have sort of a very nicely bow tied, wrapped up kind of character arc. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the fact that this is vaguely a spoiler, but we're everything is a spoiler. Yeah, like sure. in Eliza's case, you know, like there isn't some intense realization towards the end of the book that she never really liked men in the first place, and that's why she hasn't. That's why she hasn't been successful dating them. That like mm-hmm. she's come to a complete realization about what her identity is going to be. No, she's still figuring it out and she's still working on what arm of the world she's part of and like it's nice to see especially because she's only 30 so Mm -hmm. she's got Mm -hmm. plenty of time to figure it out yeah there is a little bit of an age gap in this book because she's 30 and i think denny's in her early 40s yeah i think she's 41 yeah so i mean but also because they're very clearly both adults it's not yeah weird yeah like so there's that i also i have to shout out a few i don't know i have obviously no idea of how we track episodes since i think we're basically at 100 um yeah. but like i want to say four or five or six episodes ago there was some there was some discussion of toaster oven mm-hmm. romances i was wondering if anyone who remembers that <laughs> oh yeah and my very <laughs> very poor understanding of of small kitchen appliances <laughs> may have noticed that they actually make the toaster oven joke in this book about how now Danny gets a toaster oven and Eliza doesn't get it. And they're like, it's fine. It's, you know, it's lesbian humor. You'll, you'll get there eventually. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it now. I get it now. So many thanks to those of you who helped educate me about both book tropes and also small kitchen appliances. <laughs> Uh, well, you pointed out, Jess, that this is technically a friends to lovers book. Technically, because they mm-hmm. become friends, and they are friends, and that friendship evolves. And I really liked watching that, because like you said, it's this book is just about the evolution of a relationship. Like, there, there isn't other stuff really happening in, I mean, you know, they, they both live their lives and talk to their friends and family and go to work and all of that, but the story itself doesn't really have any other process. Yeah, I was going to say it's a good thing you liked it because this this was a long book. So it, you definitely yeah, got, like, you, you, you got it. It's so. like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm reading this. <laughs> but as we might have talked about before, Friends to Lovers, it's not really one of my favorite tropes. But it's in this situation, it's because they become friends. So I still get my meat cute. They become oh, friends. Point. But you still get to see them sort of learning each other. And there's there's a bit of a jump where suddenly they, they've been talking for a while, so they know a little more about each other than we know about them. But it's okay, because we still get to see the process. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the thing that I enjoy least about Friends to Lovers, is the fact that they know each other already, and we don't get to see how that knowing evolves. There's just some something that turns on that changes their relationship status. And that that happened naturally in this book, as opposed to like predetermined or whatever. <laughs> Not predetermined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk this through because I am actually much more of a friends to lovers person than I am enemies to lovers. I think mm. I just like, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, maybe I just don't deal with conflict well <laughs> between characters, <laughs> which we'll come back to that in a second. But I appreciate, I, I think you're, you and I are 100% in agreement that it is much more fun 
to see a chunk of that friendship time and to sort of understand what the switch is that flips, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is the thing that, that changes that relationship from being something that is platonic to something that is romantic or sexual? Right. Speaking of no uh, no major conflicts and my conflict aversion, is maybe especially in, in 2021, there is really kind of no dark moment in this book. No. Did you miss it? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's just like, okay, oh, good. Oh, we're still going. <laughs> and the book's yeah. over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, <laughs> oh, I don't know how to say this without making a terrible pun, but the, um, again, this is a bit of a spoiler. The climax of the book actually is involves physical intimacy, right? Because because it is such a slow burn. Uh-huh. Everyone needs to, and there is a huge amount of attention paid, I think the right amount of attention paid to making sure that because this is a different kind of relationship in some ways for both of them, that everyone is comfortable with the pace at which the relationship is moving physically and otherwise. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, you get to, you know, towards the end of the book and then there's a progression in the physical intimacy. Uh-huh. And then, like you said, it's kind of like, and then everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, this This book does not follow Romancing the Beat, which is perfectly fine to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, they each have enough insecurities about their situation that this book could have gone in a completely different direction. There could have been a dark moment where somebody freaks out and says, I can't do this anymore. And it could have been either of them. It could have been the one who is having a identity crisis, or it could have been the one who can't be the one to help with the identity crisis, because we've seen that in books. But Jay instead just said, you know what, I am going to write a relationship. This is a relationship novel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And to be honest, this is more, to me at least, not that we necessarily read romance for realism or whatever, but like, this is much more like the trajectory of many of my like, the relationships that I am familiar with in my life than the ones where, you know, like, you're together for three months and super happy. And then there's a giant misunderstanding about salad or whatever. Uh And like, you break up for a week, right? Like, this is more of like a, there's a lot of communication. Communication. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they talk about what makes people safe or comfortable. They're comfortable with each other. Like, it's, Yeah, I'm thinking through like all of the weddings that I've been to in the last decade. And I can't remember any situation where 75% of the way between when they met and got to the wedding, there was a dark moment, you know, like, I understand why that's a plot device. And and it's done very effectively by a lot of authors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't mean to minimize that. But like we said, like we said multiple times now, they're tracing a uh, Jay is writing a relationship. She's tracing a relationship. And this is a little bit more authentic to what I know of relationships, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, you and your partner had a giant blow up over salad oh. shortly before you, oh, yeah, totally. you married. I don't know. Yeah, like the day before and then came groveling mm-hmm. back. It was perfect. I'm lying. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a big moment. Everybody on the street broke out into song. <laughs> <laughs> and your family cheered. It was great. It was great. No, I I I am a fan of the dark moment when it's done well, but I am perfectly happy with books that don't have one. And this was a great example of every time there could have been something, instead there was communication. So, mm-hmm. or just like knowing knowing oneself, and it yes. was it was well put, even if it was very long. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I don't like. I don't think either of us mean to keep saying that because we think it's too long and people shouldn't read it. It's really just more like it's sort of impressive in that I didn't realize. I think it's three hundred and seventy pages, and I didn't realize that until after I finished it. I was like, oh yeah, that was pretty long, but yeah. I didn't. It didn't drag. Yeah, no, like I would take note of how many pages there were in part just to make sure I knew how much longer I needed to be reading so that I could finish the book before, you know, tonight. Indeed. And also, I will tell you, I did look at what pages the first kiss and first intimate moment were, just because it was a really long time. (laughs) Did you write it down? Can you tell us? I did not write it down. Okay, but it was a pretty long time. It was a pretty long time. If you are wondering, if you have requirements, like if you are the person who will put a book down, if it's past 60%, mm-hmm. you're going to put this book down. This one's not for you, probably. This one's not yeah. for you. And Correct. if you are a person who will put a book down, if it's at like 85%. <laughs> this one may not be for you. This one may not be for you. <laughs> So, yeah, just for those of you who have not yet read the book and are wondering if you want to, it's up to you. Yeah. You know a lot about it now. It's true. Although I don't think we can close out without answering your, after my brilliant description of what number neighbors are, (laughs) I don't think we can uh, leave this conversation without answering your question, Jess. Wrong number, meet cute. Love it. Hate it. Feel kind of eh. You know what? I do love a good wrong number meet cute. And I've read a, I've read a few. And you know, even when the book itself is kind of, what am I reading? That I like that as sort of a relationship starter, because it's never malicious. And it's got that kind of feel where it's like, I don't like I don't like meet cutes where people run into each other right on the street and everything falls down and all of that. But this is like the virtual version of accidentally bumping into each into somebody and then all of a sudden you have a new friend or sexting partner or whatever comes out of it in the end. Um, but I I do enjoy a good wrong number meet cute. What about you? See, I really liked it too. Although I don't think it could ever happen to me because I'm the person that when I get a text that's clearly meant for someone else, I kind of mess with the person for a second, just like for a second. Like I got one once that somebody with the text, it's been a few years now, but the text was something along the lines of, hey, do you want to meet up for Jack and Allison's wedding and like carpool or, you know, should we meet there? And I replied and I was like, oh, you didn't hear? Jack and Allison had a big fight. The wedding's off. And then I waited 15 seconds and I replied and I was like, just kidding. This is the wrong number. I don't know who Jack and Allison are. Oh my God. But so I'm pretty sure no one will ever meet cute me through a a wrong number text because I'm the worst. (laughs) But that is, you know, it's, it provides a little bit of entertainment for me. And, and I'm glad that authors can, can translate that into slightly less terrible people and, and make it work. I like it. Oh, Trisha. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, of all of the many reasons why I'm single, I think I just gave you one. Pretty solid. So you're welcome. Any other, any parting thoughts about wrong number right woman, Jess? Wrong number right woman is an incredibly slow burn, but it's an easy to swallow slow burn because you're you're enjoying yourself the entire time. You're not wondering, when is anybody going to figure stuff out? 
well, I mean, you are, but you're not just like agonizing over their relationship the way you might with some slow burns. And I really, I really like that. It's just, this was a really enjoyable book. And I, now that I have finally broken my J seal, I look forward to reading more of her books, many of which I already own. Uh, quick side note, there is actually one of the books that Jay has written, I think sort of as a prequel to this one, maybe, and now I don't have the name of it in front of me, is the story of Eliza's two bosses, who are both women as well. Um, I think it's kind of a prequel. So I'm sure you can find that. Or if I find it, I will I will stick the, the title in the show notes. I think it's Under a Fallen Star or something like that. Oh, look at you. You just knew. <laughs> Good for you. I do what I can. I might have actually even purchased it after I finished this. I think it's a, this is just a, if you are looking for something that is sort of mostly angst-free or at least low angst, gentle, lovely, kind of just keep you company in a delightful way romance, I think this one for sure is going to be right up your alley. (sighs) All right, Jess, speaking of books that are right up our alley, (laughs) shall we talk about what we are excited about for the rest? So we've done now some of our favorite books of 2021 so far. In our last episode, we did some backlist books because it's, it's not always... It's not always the easiest to get your hands on on the new releases. And back in January, we talked about the year, but a lot of the books that we knew were coming out and had dates for have now come out. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed like it was time to revisit what we are excited about in 2021. Yes, and there are a lot of books coming out in the rest of the year. So many. And it, there are always a <laughs> so lot of many. books, but it feels like there are so many books coming out in the next five and a half months. Like October is going to be ridiculous. Like I'm just going to take October off so I can read books. (laughs) I think you should. I encourage that kind of behavior. And so we're cheating a little bit because we're going to highlight a few and then we're going to talk about books that are coming out in series or by authors that we've talked about before that uh, we are excited about. A couple of mine are actually already in the series, but whatever. We wanted to be able to list more books. So be excited, everyone. Yes. Be excited. Be excited. I'm going to let you go first, because I think there's a dog barking behind me. And so Jen, our wonderful audio editor, will not be thrilled if I <laughs> if I don't let you go first. So by all means, it's all yours, Jess. So one of the books that I am looking forward to is Don't Fall in Love by Jackie Lau. Um, and if you are a longtime friend of the podcast, you know that I love me some Jackie Lau. And she has historically uh, self-published her books, but this is her her debut book with Berkeley. And it is about a baker because she cannot write about a book that doesn't have something to do with food. God bless her. God bless her indeed. Um, so it's, I'm hoping that it feels a lot like her self-published books in, in tone and fun because her books are hilarious. And it's about a baker and an actor. And he asks her to help teach him how to bake. Because he signs up for a celebrity episode of a baking show. So they, they, they're going to spend a lot of time together. And I am looking forward to all of the food and all of the fun. And that's Donut Fall in Love by Jackie Lau. Not to be confused with like the other three donut books that are coming out sometime this year or early next year. Just FYI. The gods have finally heard my plea. <laughs> I am very delighted by the number of donut books that are coming out. Same. I am also very delighted um, that the third book in the Cowboys of California series by Rebecca Weatherspoon, A Thorn in the Saddle, is coming out in October. Uh, So 
if you are new to the podcast or new to this discussion, Rebecca Weatherspoon has set this this trilogy. Uh, it's three brothers who all grew up on this luxury dude ranch in California. And the each of the books is sort of modeled at least kind of after a fairy tale. So the first one is Sleeping Beauty. The second one is Cinderella. And the third is a Beauty and the Beast uh, take. And I don't think that's a spoiler because I'm pretty sure it's in the description. <laughs> and so we get Jesse, who is, I believe, the oldest of the brothers. He's the one who's always been on the ranch. He's kind of big and sullen, and he's just not very comfortable in his own skin. And the town is trying to convince him to run for public office. And so helpfully, um, they have Lily Grace, who is coming to help you know, uh, figure out how he could maybe be ready to run for public office and, you know, how he might be able to connect more with the community. These books have just been, for me, in the same way that I was kind of talking about with Wrong Number Right Woman, it's just like a, they're just nice. It's not that there's no angst. It's not that there's not tension or dark moments or dramatic moments. But even more than most romance, to me, these books just have a feel of like, things are going to work out. And it's going to be really, really fun to watch us get to the point where they do. Uh, so I am very excited to read A Thorn in the Saddle by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Jumping to December, because while there are plenty of books before that coming out. <laughs> because you want to get a lot of hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> There's something I want on people's radar, um, is The Love Con by Cerisia Glass. And she is another author who has published a lot of books, I think, um, with smaller presses or self-published. And this is her first, again with Berkeley. I know, like, I am not just talking about Berkeley books, and I am not, I, I will be transparent. Berkeley is my publisher, but they keep publishing books that I want to read. So I'm going to be talking about them. <laughs> they also publish a lot of books, like, to be fair, a lot of the traditionally published romances do come out of Berkeley. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, and they've got a lot of good ones coming out. This one, The Love Con, is a nice play on words because it's about Kenya, who loves anime, gaming, and cosplay, who enters into a competition, but it has to be with a significant other, which she does not have. So her BFF pretends to be her boyfriend on the competition. So it's the love con, because con's in cosplay, but also a con, because he's not really her boyfriend. But, you know. We love a good pun yes. in the romance world. Oh, that's adorable. That's great. And we'll see if I enjoy this Friends to Lovers tale or not, because it has fake dating. <laughs> Yeah, that's tricky for you because it's it's one thing that is generally not your speed with another thing that oh boy you know what Jess I think they're if they're at a con there's a real good chance there's only one bed so I think you're gonna be totally in the bag for this oh man yeah this one this one might also be one of those break the trope thing for me well I am very excited about that one too although like I said I think given that this one and I think maybe also the next one you're gonna talk about are not coming out till December. <laughs> Just want I want all of you to keep in mind that my books I think are mostly coming out in the fall. One of them's out already. In fact, this one is. This is a little bit of a cheat because this one just came out I think this week. Mm -hmm. And the main reason I wanted to talk about it is because Molly O'Keefe is an author I think we don't talk a ton about, mm -hmm. but who is both very prolific and has written a lot of stuff that I really like. She's she's big on like family angst. Mm -hmm. 
And so she's got the Cowboys Unexpected Family, which is coming out, like I said, I think just came out this week. And the main reason that I'm excited about this one is that I read recently The Cowboy's Wife for One Night, also by Molly O'Keefe. And they sound like, so as you can probably tell by now, the fact that I have recommended two romances or told you I'm excited about two romances that take place on a ranch. I do enjoy a good cowboy romance. (laughs) It is hard to find a good cowboy romance. So many of them, I think, fall into a lot of the traps and tropes and which are not my speed, like a lot of the like, sort of alpha, sometimes macho bordering on misogynistic. And then there's the girl that got left behind and blah, blah, blah. And it's for some people that is kind of what they're looking for. And that's great. It's generally I'm looking for something in my romance with a little more dimension, Mm. which is what I've gotten from the Rebecca Weatherspoon series. But it's also what I got from the Cowboy's Wife for One Night, which is a marriage of convenience story. And it is a story in which the cowboy leaves and has to come home. And it is the woman who's been left behind. But there's a lot of dimension to that one. Like there's a lot of she's actually running the ranch. And there are issues with addiction related to his dad who's still there. And there's like a lot of family stress. And so the uh, cowboy's unexpected family is the story of <laughs> of a neighbor cowboy. Uh, so somebody who's on a different ranch who actually um, was, a, was a rodeo uh, star who had to come back and raise his three nephews when his uh, sister passed away unexpectedly. So that's what this new story is. It is connected to the last one. And like I said, I just I really like a Western that has some dimension and angst in it. And that is a thing that Molly O'Keefe is great at. So I am very excited uh, on my on my Westerns of 2021 list <laughs> to add the Cowboys Unexpected Family. Oh, man, I haven't read Molly O'Keefe in a long time. And I might have to try that one. Yeah. I mean, it's angsty, but uh, but it pays off. The angst pays off. It's always good when the angst pays off. Yeah. And you know what else pays off? No, tell me, Jess. Sharing the cover (laughs) of a book that's not coming out for like eight months. Because I added this book, no, 10 months. I added this book to my to read, want to read list on Goodreads in February of this year. And it comes out at the end of December. But I'll tell you what, I know when it's coming out because goodness gracious, was that a hook. And that hook was the cover of Never Cross a Highlander by Lisa Rain. And if you are not driving and near a computer, I want you to look this up right now. Just look at that cover and stare at it in awe. Cosign. Okay, now that you've done that, this book is, it has a very brief description on Goodreads, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. It is an own voices historical mashup of Dirty Harry in a Kilt with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. This banter-laden historical romance proves kilts have never been more fun. Has there ever been something that just drew me in and held me hostage? I don't think there has. So I am incredibly excited for this book because, one, I haven't read a Highlander book in a long time, but one of those reasons is because they're super white. (laughs) This one isn't. Correct. Correct. So I look forward to enjoying myself with Never Across a Highlander by Lisa Rain at the end of December of this year. And, you know, I mean, again, 
Don't be too hard on Jess for continuing to recommend books that are not coming out for months and months and months. Um, she's doing her best. Mm-hmm. I've got one for you that you might want to read in December because it is holiday themed, but it comes out. It actually will be released in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is The Lights on Knockbridge Lane. If you have been paying attention to the last few episodes of the podcast, you know that I have adored the Garnet Run series by Roan Parrish. And The Lights on Knockbridge Lane is the third book in that series. It's about characters I don't believe that we have met. I don't think so. Yeah, thank you. I Because I felt like I would have remembered. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. uh, appreciate this, the, the backup there. But those we talked about a couple of the, the books in the series that now are going to escape me. It's Best Laid Plans is one of them. Better Than People is the other. And they're just delightful. This one is about a man who is returning back to, oh, I guess moving, yeah, moving back to, to Garnet Run. There's a messy breakup. He is a single parent. And he happens to, you know, maybe uh, hit uh, hit it off with, with someone else who, who lives, lives in the same small town there in, uh, I want to say, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's lights, there's holiday lights, there's celebration, there's good cheer. The Lights on Knockbridge Lane is also, and Jess, you know this better than I do, so, so correct me if I get it wrong, but this is the first, is it the first category romance that has mm-hmm. been a male-male romance that Harlequin has published? Yes, and with, with them on the cover. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that continues, I guess that continues to blow my mind because I cannot figure how that is the case in 2021, but it is. It is. Um, Harlequin's imprint, uh, Karina Adores, I believe, was the publisher of the first two. So it's not that Harlequin has never published one, but the fact that this is one of their first category romances that is a queer couple is uh, a little astonishing. But anyway, support that decision by reading or requesting at your library The Lights on Knockbridge Lane, which again will be available to you in September, even though it is a more of a December holiday romance. And... Before we we move into some of the, just a quick shout out to some of the series romances that we have liked and appreciated, I do want to do a quick uh, reminder that For the Love of April French by Penny Ames is coming out next month in August. So in four or five weeks, it will be available to you. It's one that I mentioned in December, January, I think, when we, whenever we did our, our, our preview show. Um, mm-hmm. It is about a trans woman. It's it's a, I think it's, it may even be an erotic romance, I think. It's it's steamy. It is for sure steamy. Uh, it's an own voices trans author. And I'm really, really excited to see Karina Adores doing that one. And yeah. so keep an eye out still for the love of April French coming in August. All right, Jess, do you want to start our rundown of, of other books that we have talked about either the series or the authors that folks want to, might want to keep an eye out for? Well, the one of my biggest books that I'm looking forward to this year that is the second in a series is All the Feels by Olivia Dade. It's a follow-up to Spoiler Alert, which you might recall was one of my favorites from last year. Yes. We've got The Heart Principle by Helen Wong, the third book in her series that also includes Kiss Quotient and The Bride Test. I actually have already read Role Model by Rachel Reed, which is the fifth book in her Game Changers series, um, which is a, com- a series completely about queer hockey players and the people that they fall in love with. Sometimes those people are also queer hockey players, but sometimes they're not. And this one was very, very good. And I'm looking forward to being able to talk about it with more of you when it comes out. 
Uh, if you are new to the podcast, you may not know of my abiding love for The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller. The Brightest <laughs> Star in Paris is the next book in that series that is coming out within the next few months as well. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, last episode or the episode before that, I mentioned you had me at Ola. The next book in Alexis Daria's series, A Lot Like Adios, is coming out in September. So keep an eye out for that. And it's gorgeous cover. I have talked about the Honey Badger series by Shelley Lawrenston. I didn't realize that there was a fourth book coming out, but there is. So be excited. I think Breaking Badger, the fourth book in that series, is coming out, I want to say August, September. So be excited. And those, maybe some of you, I remember, I remember a lot of you mentioned that Neon Gods was a favorite of this year. And you might not know that Katie Robert has an enormous backlist of self-published books including her Taboo series, which starts with Your Dad Will Do. And she's got one coming out in October called The Groom, The Bridesmaid, and The Runaway Bride. And I am very much looking forward to that one. And one of my favorites of last year was a book called Deal with the Devil by Kit Rocha. It's a mercenary librarian series, futuristic, post-apocalyptic, etc., etc., etc. Very steamy. Uh, and The Devil You Know by Kit Rocha is coming out uh, within the next couple of months as well. So keep an eye out for that one. And finally, I think, Well Matched by Jen DeLuca is coming out this fall. It is the third book in her uh, series about uh, Ren Fair folks. And I love a good Ren, Ren Fair. And um, I think the Renaissance Festival here in Arizona is the last thing that I did that involved being around a whole lot of people before the world shut down. Oh, sad. So <laughs> it'll be nice to to visit my friends in in Well Matched uh, by Jen DeLuca. And that is only the end of the list until we hear from all of you about whatever we missed, uh, because I'm <laughs> yeah. sure there's a lot out there that we missed. So please let us know what your favorite books are or what books you're excited about that are coming out for the rest of 2021. Yes. As always, you can find us or let us know what those books are at whenandromanceofbookriot.com. You can find us on social media. I am at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram. And very, very occasionally, I am also on Twitter at the same handle. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. I'm pretty evenly on both. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are a better social media person than I. Huge thanks as always to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who may or may not have actually been able to edit out dog noises. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll all we'll all learn together. If she could not do it, it could not be done. I am certain of that. Absolutely. Once again, thanks for listening. Tell us what you thought about um, wrong number, right woman, and anything else your heart desires that is within reason. And (laughs) in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading, everybody.